1: It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown.
0: And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Hello Wing Calm Podcast. Alongside Mike Bassick, I'm Jared Sandler. Got some questions from people on Twitter we're going to answer. You can always ask us questions, Mike at Mike Bassick. Uh, I'm at J. Well, let's, uh, let's discuss the current state of the Rangers because I think we both agree that tonight's game against the Mariners, the finale of a four-game series, Kashner versus King Felix, is about as close to a do-or-die game as the Rangers have had all year.
0: I'm totally with you. If they lose this one, it's pretty much over unless they can go to L.A. and Seattle on the road trip and sweep both of them. that would That would do something to get them back in it, and then they'd also... Uh, it's a nine game road trip. You need to win eight of nine if you don't win this game. If you win it, then I'll still say you're still in big trouble. You need to win seven of nine on the road trip to really give yourself a chance in the last six games uh of the homestand. They're just they're too hurt. They're pitching, their starting pitching isn't good enough. Uh the bullpen is, you know, uh now healthy, I guess, somewhat, and Kella hasn't come back and pitched yet. Is uh, you know, below average for major league standards still. It's not bad, but it's below average. And so it's just going to be tough for me to see them winning, I think, 12 of 17 games to give themselves a chance. At this point, they got to go 12 and 5 in their last 17. And I just have a tough time seeing that. The last time they won five in a row, Jared, was when I had a pizza party for DFW. That's right. Because they had beaten uh Houston and Washington five in a row. That was June 9th through the through June 12th. That was the last time they've won five in a row.
1: Yeah, so, you know, it, it, I think for me, it, it's obvious. It's, uh, well, what's the line? You know, we didn't lose the game. We just ran out of time. Well, the Rangers, you know, they might not make the playoffs, uh, but it's, it's because they're running out of time. Uh, except, unfortunately, uh, they've had opportunities to make a run. You know, we've talked about how no one has really seized that second wild card spot. And they just haven't been able to take advantage here against the Mariners. They've lost back-to-back ball games, and with 17 to go, you're down four games in the standings to the Twins. But you've got teams between you and the Twins, and that's that's what makes it challenging. We've talked all along, you know, the the massive teams competing for the second wild card spot presents an additional challenge. Now, the yeah. Rangers have the ability to eliminate the Royals because they've got three games against the Royals. They can jump the Royals this weekend, uh, but. They've got to now deal with the Twins, who are four ahead, the Royals, or excuse me, the Angels, who they have this week, and I apologize. Uh, they have the Royals, who are even with them, so they've got to outplay the Royals. They've got the Mariners, who are half a game ahead, and they'll have chances against the Mariners, and the Angels, who are two games ahead of them, uh, so, you know, that makes it really tough, and, you know, I i i don't like to, I'm not a big fan of calling the, the a game a must-win with you know, two weeks left in a season. Uh, but if the Rangers were to lose tonight and the Twins beat the Blue Jays, they begin a series of the Blue Jays, the Rangers are five back with 16 to go. To kind of put this in perspective, if the Rangers were to make the playoffs after falling five back with 16 to go, people would talk about that as one of the the best late September comebacks in recent memory. Not in Rangers history, but in recent memory. That would be like one of the biggest storylines going to the playoffs. How did the Rangers overcome a five-game deficit with just over two weeks to go? So tonight is a pretty significant game. And again, I know we didn't picture it happening this way, at the beginning of the season, but Andrew Kashner, I guess, is the guy you want on the mound without a doubt for a big game like
0: this. Without a doubt, he's the best guy to give the ball to in this situation. He's the guy I'd want in Game Five, Game Seven for this 2017 Texas Rangers, and hopefully, he comes through. He's been coming through his last seven games. He has great numbers. So, take the ball, do the best you can uh, with who you have behind you. All
1: right, so we were watching the game yesterday. you were up in the booth with me. You back there tonight? Yes. Yeah? Okay. And I love, I love it when you sit next to me because uh, we talk about a bunch of random things. I watch you play Candy Crush, but also you've got awesome insight. and I think people know wow. this. That's, and what's the wow? You don't think just, your
0: insight's awesome? I don't know. Sometimes it is. Sometimes. I, like when I said Miguel Gonzalez would be a really good piece to add to the rotation. I mean, I take that back.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it certainly looked like that was going to be the case with how well he'd been pitching lately. But uh, you said you noticed on Elvis's double, I believe. Yeah. The the emotion with which he was playing, and we were just talking before we pressed the record button, and uh, it's kind of interesting to, to see how far he's come here because you had talked about how you know he was he was playing with the intensity that recognized the urgency of the ball game last night, even though the Rangers obviously didn't win.
0: Yeah, and you could tell in the post-game interview, he was not happy doing the interview. He he uh, didn't have a smile on his face. You could see it in his eyes. He's frustrated. He's mad. And um, it's just funny how just a few years ago and even before then, it was Michael Young looking at Elvis going, Dude, this is a freaking important game. We need the best Elvis Andrus out there. And he'd kind of smile and and just say yeah guys we're just you know kind of playing baseball no big deal and like michael's like no this is a big deal and then adrian came along and adrian had to always try to keep uh, elvis focused and now it's elvis looking around going all right i got this dude drew robinson who's played a third of a season of major league baseball at the most i got uh odor who struggles at times with concentration next to him he has gallo who's probably played 25 major league games at first base in his life. Uh, He looks out in the outfield behind him. He's got a guy in the second game of his life in the major leagues. He looks at Delino, who's a younger guy in the major leagues. He's like, dude, I don't care that you haven't played major league baseball much. I need the best that you got tonight. And so it's just funny how it's come full circle for Elvis at 29 years old. Now he's the guy looking around and trying to find the young guys. And there's quite a few of them. To try to get them to understand how important these games are,
1: eight game or eight nights ago, Michael Young sent out a tweet uh, he said he used to eat lollipops during stretch. now he cleans out balls to Dead Center and doesn't miss games. Elvis Andrews is a true grinder, and I think that was uh, Michael's way of kind of addressing how far elvis is has come that's That's huge because he's 29 years old, and if the Rangers want to compete next year, he's going to be a big part of that. Uh, yeah, he'll
0: have to be their MVP again. You think so? I do. Who's going to take over?
1: I I don't know. I mean, I I guess my thought would be if Joey Gallo is your MVP, then you're probably in great shape.
0: Okay. Oh, that would be awesome. As long as Elvis does the same thing he did this year again, and then you could say that Joey Gallo is having possibly as good or better a year. That would be great.
1: Putting you on the spot here because I didn't ask you to... To look up stuff for this, maybe you've, you've checked this out in just recent remember, days.
0: Just remember, I'm I'm a little sleep deprived, so I'm going to be really blunt, honest here. It's going to be more East Coast Mike than okay. Texas Mike. So go, East
1: Ball Sack. No, <laughs> I'm curious where I I don't think either of us would even dare suggest Elvis should win the MVP. I'm just curious how many guys would you put in front of him because Eric, okay. Matt, and I had this discussion in the booth, and you know we brought up you know the four people who are without question ahead of Elvis. Jose Ramirez, Jose Altuve, Mike Trout, and Aaron Judge. Even with Aaron Judge's second half slip a little bit, he's still, you look at his full season numbers, I mean, he definitely deserves to be ahead of Elvis. Now, I'm not saying that Elvis is definitely next, but I am saying that Elvis is not definitely behind anyone else, whether you want to go with George Springer. Certainly not Francisco Lindor, who, as great of a player as I think he's going to be, and as good as he's been in the second half, his first half struggles really weigh down his numbers. I mean Elvis is is ahead of Francisco Lindor in, in a lot of these offensive categories. You know Carlos Correa would have been ahead, but you know he missed a lot of time. Mike Trout didn't miss as much. Uh so to me I think you can make a strong case that Elvis deserves to be 5th in the AL MVP voting. I don't think he finishes 5th because I'm I just don't get the sense that writers who vote for this We'll give him that type of love, but I, I think it would be a travesty if he finishes any, anywhere outside of the top seven for sure.
0: I was super surprised yesterday, Jared, on CBSSports.com. They listed the top 50 players of 2017. They had Jose Altuve as the best player in Major League Baseball for this season. So it makes me think that he's going to win the MVP of the American League. They didn't have Elvis in the top 50. They only ranked the top 50, so I don't know how much barely. They had Andrew Kaschner at 46. He was the only Texas Ranger on the list. That surprised me because I thought Elvis had done enough to change his reputation nationally into a very valuable piece of this Texas Rangers team hanging around. So I think in our eyes, Jared, we've seen it. We know it. We know the turnaround of Elvis Andrus. I think nationally, because of 2015 Game 5, that... I wonder how much the national rider, who only watches five Ranger games in the whole season because he's following all of Major League Baseball and then checks out highlights and box scores just doesn't think of Elvis as the best player on the Texas Rangers. This was CBS Sports? I believe so, yes. And they didn't have him in their top 50? Top 50 players at 2017 because Kashner was 46. That to me is crazy
1: because we're not talking about a guy who's having a good year relative to his career, which he is, right, he's having, and good's not even the right word, he's having a great year relative to his career.
0: He's having a great year regardless. Yeah, I I think he should end up, I know they don't do this, I don't think, Jared, I think he's the best shortstop in the American League for the 2017 season. Because of the Correa injury, if they did that award, I bet Francisco Lindor would win it because of the 21-game winning streak and continuing, but, I think he's the best shortstop in the American League this year. So, no, that's
1: that's fair. Uh, and you know, again, Francisco Lindor is is definitely better defensively than Elvis, and maybe that's where the knock is. I still think it's ridiculous that he's not even a top uh, a top fifty player. I'm just looking at AL War, and Elvis is thirteenth, hmm. but that hmm. includes pitchers. So let's see, there one, there's one, two three, four, five pitchers in front of Elvis. So among position players, he's eighth in the American League in war, and that includes defense, too. So that's ridiculous that he's not top 50. Uh, I find that uh, incredibly tough to to, yeah. to believe. That's crazy. All right. Uh, I, and I agree, by the way. So Hicksy, I think, put Jose Ramirez as his, his MVP. I've got Jose Altuve, though... I'm still not, uh, if Mike Trout goes on a run here, I'm not going to necessarily just discard Mike Trout because the only reason, I I like to, I don't like to give the MVP to a a player on a team that's just gosh awful, though the Angels certainly aren't. Uh, But like, you know, with Mike Trout, if you take him away from the Angels, they are maybe a 70-win team, probably not. Uh, uh, Albert Pujols, having the year he's having, is, almost directly because of Mike Trout with all the RBIs and the the run-producing opportunities. So, um, you know, I, Mike Trout's easily the best player in baseball, but uh, missing five to six weeks certainly isn't going to help his MVP candidacy. All right, so Willie Calhoun made his major league debut a few a uh, few games ago. Mike, uh, it, you know, I'm not going to ask you to, to offer up definitive thoughts on <laughs> Willie Calhoun two Paul games Thamer. in. Yeah, oh, okay, there we go, good. Uh, just first impressions, though?
0: Honestly, first impression is, wow, that's a bad body at 22 years old. And I played with a dude named Tyler Walker, who ended up being a closer for the San Francisco Giants. I was with him in the Mets in Norfolk, and you know he'd get called up. I'd get called up uh, at random times in 2002, 2003. And they had sent him to a, a diet place. I think it might have been Duke University. But he lost 40 pounds or so of bad weight because he had a horrible body. When he came out of uh, Cal, and I think the Rangers need to do the same thing. I know. Yeah. You say first impressions. I'll get to the baseball part in a second. No, you're good. He's, he's got to get a better body than, than that 22 year old body. If he hopes to have a six to 10 year career, you know, in the major leagues where he lasts a while now, that being said, now I'll take his body out of it. I was really impressed with his defense in left field. I'm not going to say it's good defense, But it's average left-field defense, and that's way better than I thought from what I've read, what I heard. I thought this dude's going to be looking like Su Chu in right field, except he's going to be playing left field.
1: He don't look lost.
0: No, and he's making some plays out there. He doesn't get the best of jumps. I've seen him get a decent jump on a few balls. I've seen him get a bad jump or two on balls. He's trying really hard. He has an average arm for a left fielder. Uh, so his arm's going to be able to play okay in left field. It wouldn't play in right field. That's a bad arm for a right fielder, but an average arm for a left fielder. Uh, so I'm I'm okay with his defense. And then hitting wise, from what I've seen, the dude swings a solid stick. We'll see how it goes. You know how he adjusts to major league pitching. We're not really going to know much out of these uh, 17 games remaining but I believe he has a chance to compete and be the starting left fielder next year on opening day.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I'm, I'm with you. I'm encouraged by the defense and something that I've heard from people who've watched him play and been around him, teammates, coaches and evaluators, they use the a word, they use the word aptitude. And they've talked about his ability as a hitter to demonstrate a high level of aptitude, baseball aptitude, hitting aptitude. And they, they feel like that the same has been the case with his transition to left field. Uh, and, that's a good sign. That doesn't mean he's on the on his way to being a gold glove left fielder, but that does mean that there appears to be room for improvement. And if he's an average left fielder as you identified, you take that because yeah. he's a guy who you believe is going to be bringing in a lot of runs. And average left fielders might not save a ton of runs, right. but they're also not going to cost you a ton of runs. And so that plus minus is going to lean heavily uh towards the positive and you know, I, I it's two games' worth of at-bats. I don't, uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to read too much into it, but I think he's competed with two strikes, at a, a really hard ground ball, one hopper uh, to first, that if it would have gotten through, you know, we, we dismiss it as a ground ball because it's an out. If it is two feet to the left or two feet to the right, you know, we're talking about a, a hard hit shot down the line or through the, the right side. Uh, he did strike out once. It was against James Pazos in his debut, but he that battled. was on... An, yeah, he battled with two strikes. And so, uh, you know, he's not a big strikeout guy. That doesn't mean he's not going to strike out ever. Uh, so I'm I'm excited. I, I definitely, whether the Rangers remain in the thick of this or not, I'm definitely excited every night or day to see Willie Calhoun and not only what he does defensively, but obviously at the plate. Agreed. Uh, Adrian Beltre pinch hitting, that's pretty cool. Rick yeah. Riz, who's the Mariners broadcaster, who's been with Adrian Beltre obviously during AB's time with Seattle, walked by me as I was going to get popcorn. I know you like to get the popcorn in the press box. And he just shook his head and said, that's the toughest son of a I've ever Gun. seen in my life.
0: Yeah, uh, here's the deal. I want to address this real quick because I did listen to some of the post game last night. Why people are saying, was that the right decision or wrong decision? He's your veteran guy, Hall of Fame guy. He's having a great season. Yes, he's hurt. Are you kidding me?
1: Yeah, the whole talk are, about desperation and whatnot. Are
0: you? Yeah, that that was really weird to say. Are you kidding me? You're bringing in your Hall of Fame guy, batting over 300, who has popping in his bat against a lefty in a big situation in a do or die type of game in a, in a big situation. Come on, guys.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, don't.
0: That that's silly.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, you know, I, I think. If you
0: bring in Napoli in that situation with his injury sure. and everything, okay, you know what? Maybe you can question taking out Willie Calhoun and you say, well, you know what? This is a veteran guy who's been through a whole bunch of pressure at bats, but he's hurt. He's not having a good year. I get having a discussion about that. Let's not have a discussion, people, or if you're at work or on Twitter, the discussion of, did Banny do the right thing by allowing Adrian Beltray to pinch hit?
1: Again, I'll use the U word. Uh, you know, they, they wanted it on, you know, Kevin and Corey brought up desperation. I think it's just urgency. You know, would he have done that in June? Well, first of all, he wouldn't be on the active roster in June because he'd be on the DL. But even if he even if he was, let's say he was day-to-day, they probably wouldn't have forced the issue in June, but we're not in June. We're in September, and it's go time. And in so I have zero issue about the. In that.
0: 2015, he couldn't move because of his back, and he got a base hit. Yeah. Uh, in in Toronto, the dude is unexplainably tough, and I was I was super excited to see it, and uh, it was the right decision. If and, he can do it, it
1: was the right decision. And, and you know what? You know, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but when he popped the ball up. He actually looked halfway decent jogging at first. Like yeah. for a guy who is two weeks removed from a hamstring injury that usually keeps people out for six weeks, I wouldn't have even expected him to get forty-five feet up the line. He got to first base. And yeah. He looked okay. And the only reason I bring that up is the only way I, I don't put him in the box is if he can't beat out a single to the outfield. Obviously to left field or to center, he'd be fine. But you know, if you've got a, a guy with a really good arm in right field and you're worried that Adrian Beltre's line drive to him will result in an out at first. Then, all right, maybe you, you just you can't do that yet. But he looked fine doing that. So I'm okay with with Adrian Beltre pinch hitting. By the way, first time he's pinch hit since 2012. How about wow. that? Uh, all right, we got some questions here we got to get to from Tommy. How do you see J.D. realistically addressing the rotation for 2018? I'll start. I think it, it's, it's got to happen in free agency to some degree. Uh, obviously, he doesn't need five guys. but you know not only do they need to fill the rotation but they need depth because as we've seen this year as we see every year you don't just need five starters you don't just need seven starters you need 9 to 10 starters and the rangers have to get to that Nick Martinez on the books for next year AJ Griffin uh they have control of him Andrew Cashner's free uh Cole Hamels is there Martin Perez is there so uh you know that's you could have a four man rotation going into the offseason already in house but I don't know that you want to settle for having Martinez and Griffin in your rotation. So I don't know that the Rangers are going to be players in the, the, for the big names other than Shohei Otani, which, which we just can't rely on. I do think they're going to have to try and piece something together. And, and maybe, you know, heck, I, if Miguel Gonzalez would pitch well, it would be easier to say this. But, you know, he's the type of pitcher, kind of a mid-tier starter who the Rangers are going to have to, to maybe shop for.
0: They need $30 million next year. In free agent pitching or in trade. like You can trade for a guy, and I guess maybe, you know, who knows how much that guy makes if you could get a a younger guy. But they need uh, two starting pitchers out of the marketplace through trade or through free agency. And if it's through free agency, you probably need $30 million for those two starting pitchers. Otani is a weird situation because of, you know, how much money he'd actually get his first year.
1: So, and you brought up the T word, trade. Uh, I do think the Rangers will add a starting pitcher in the trade market, and that's going to kind of roll into one of our other questions here. Uh, you know, we, we've been asked about the, the dearth of left-handed hitters. That, this from Pinkerton on Twitter. Uh, you know, are you all concerned with the number of left-handed batters the Rangers currently have in the lineup? Uh, and then Angel asked if Profar has any trade value. So I guess we'll tackle those things, uh, you know, at the same time. Profar's a switch hitter, not a lefty. But uh, I guess the Rangers, to me, do have a surplus in a, in a few different categories. They have a surplus in left-handed hitters. They have a surplus in corner outfielder slash DH types. They have a surplus in guys who are good offensive players but not good defensive players. And to me, that all points towards the opportunity to make a trade. That doesn't mean they will, uh, but I think that the opportunity is quite large for them to do so. And I think, you know, depending on what they want to do, they. It wouldn't surprise me. Nomar Mazar is a name we've talked about. Not that I want them to trade Nomar. Not that I don't think Nomar's is a good player. But in order to get something really good in return, you've got to give up something really good. And I wonder if if that's a name that gets discussed frequently this offseason because as good of a as an offensive player as he might become and, and kind of is now, he doesn't give you anything defensively. He doesn't give you anything on the bases. And I think you can find guys who hit 280 with 25 home runs. I really do. Uh and so and you know he's bottom 20 in the American League in war. So you know there there's good and bad to him. Uh he's a guy who I could see headline in a package that brings a starting pitcher to the Rangers.
0: Okay. Yeah, I would say real quick with ProFar his value, I'd say it's not very good. You're going to have to take a risk on somebody the way that team's taking a risk on ProFar. ProFar had a very good AAA year. He uh, has not had a very good attitude. I don't know if teams will use that against the Rangers a little bit in negotiating, but you're probably looking for a guy in his mid-20s who had a a 5.5 ERA uh, that doesn't look good on a piece of paper, but you feel like your scouts and your organization see something like they saw in Kashner and say, we can take this guy who has three more years of control and we can get him uh, into the fours ERA. He can be an average starting pitcher in the major leagues. That's, uh, I'm I'm hoping what you're looking for, or you're looking for a guy who you think can pitch the sixth or seventh inning.
1: Yeah, okay, so I agree. Yeah, Profar might be able to... To be flipped for a quality reliever, not a not a high quality reliever, right? Not a quality, setup, not, not a guy yeah. where
0: you're like that's a setup guy, yeah. that's a closer. You're not getting
1: Brad Hand for pro Profar. Yeah. Uh, so I was just talking about Maz, You're talking about Profar, a guy who kind of fits the category of a we'll take a chance on him type of player. He's he's not a he's not under control. He's a free agent, but he he kind of fits the profile of the type of guy you could trade pro Profar for. Matt Harvey, who's having a horrendous year with the Mets, but obviously we've seen. Cy Young caliber pitching out of him. He's a free agent, though, and I wonder if the Rangers try and get him uh, in the bargain bin this offseason as a as a potential reclamation project. All right, so the dearth of lefties. We got, tell me if I'm missing someone. The Delano DeShields, Rugnet Odor, Nomar Mazzara, Willie Calhoun. Uh, going around the base here, we don't know. Tell about what? Left-handed hitters.
0: Well, DeShields isn't. No, I never said DeShields. thought you did.
1: Did I say DeShields? No, I said Calhoun- I Mazzara, Odor, Chu. If I said to right. Shields, I didn't mean to. Uh, Ronald Guzman, Joey Gallo. Drew Robinson. Drew Robinson. Rangers have a ton of left-handed right. hitters. And that's that's nice when you're facing a righty. You can't get lefties out. But you need a little more flexibility there. So, uh, I I mean, you know, you're not just going to release these guys. So, I do think the Rangers, that's another reason why I think the Rangers are going to be active in the trade market because, again, you know, we look at surpluses specifically in terms of positions. I look at it in terms of positions and types of players. So whether it's like I said, guys who are good offensive but not good defensive players, guys who yeah. are left-handed hitters, and then there's the positional thing too. But you know, that's that's to me the only way you're going to really uh, you know amend that situation. John
0: Daniels has a lot of work ahead of him. Pretty much what you're saying, to be general about this, John Daniels has to redo the starting rotation, redo the. Uh, relief pitching and then redo the defense and then also get a little less left-handed.
1: All right. So Hayden has a question. Uh, Any chance we give Elvis a new contract so he can't opt out? You know, I do think there's a chance. uh, I could see it's 50-50 for me right now. I do think he opts out when it gets to that point, but I do think there's also a chance the Rangers restructure his contract and, and extend him.
0: I think with the new stadium, Elvis Andrus has to be a Texas Ranger when the new stadium opens.
1: All right, Hayden asked another question here. Uh, this is an interesting one. Uh, what do the Rangers do at second base if it's May of 2018 and Ruge has not changed?
0: Too bad you gave him 50 million dollars. He has to be the second baseman for five more years.
1: Yeah, I disagree. I think if Rugi's hitting a buck 30 when May rolls around next year, he's in AAA. I mean, okay. you listen. I I
0: mean, it, to me that, that ain't the, gonna the, happen.
1: You don't think he's in AAA, or you don't think that he's going to be hitting that poorly? Yeah, I don't
0: think he's going to hit one thirty. Okay,
1: well, whatever the number, I was just throwing out a random number. Let's yeah. say he's hitting one eighty nine and he's not walking, or two o five and not walking?
0: As long as he's popping home runs, I think that's what they like.
1: All right, I, I do think that next year would be the time in which they would maybe send him back to AAA, and I, I frankly, I think you know because they've made that investment, it's not twenty million a year. I think they'd be okay with sending him to AAA to give him a reset because they don't want to just continue to see him die in the majors. Uh, But, you know, there are a lot of factors here. I I am optimistic that Ruge will turn it around next year. I don't know that he's going to jump to being an all-star caliber second baseman necessarily, but I do think that he's going to take a step forward to where we'll unequivocally say... Ruggie in 2018 is way better than Ruggie in 2017. You
0: weren't so—I think he's going to be better, too. I don't know if he'll be 270-something like he was the year before, but I don't think he'll be 205 or 215, whatever he's going to end the season with. Real quick, if you weren't so outfield-heavy in the corners, I would consider uh, if I had somebody—if you couldn't trade Profar, if you just hated the market— I would consider moving Rugi to left field, but you have Calhoun, you have, yeah. so, but I would, I would consider it. That's at this point right now. That's how bad I feel he is defensively at second base.
1: All right. Uh, last question from Angel. She wants to know what the future holds for Delino and Torinos.
0: Uh, I think Torinos is the starting catcher opening day. They'll find a backup for him. Uh, we've talked about this real quick. Carlos Ruiz might not be a bad option because he's Cole Hamels' guy. Cole Hamels is going to be on the team next year. That might not be a bad veteran backup on a really cheap contract. And then DeShields, I think, battles to be uh, the center fielder next year in spring training.
1: Again, yeah, we talked about this before. If DeShields was capable of playing center field at a high level, I mean, he'd be a a big money guy uh, with Yesterday, his drop Yesterday,
0: dropped a fly ball. Yeah. I mean, that it, uh, yeah, did he slide? He slid.
1: That's a ball that's got to be caught. Yeah, every,
0: every outfielder is going to catch that ball 99 out of 100 times.
1: In a perfect world, Delano DeShields is a left fielder. The problem yeah. is the Rangers have a lot of those guys, and that's that's where the that's where the wiggle room comes into play. Yeah. All right, uh, that's going to do it. He's Mike. I'm Jared. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Hello Wing Call Podcast. Back with you next week right here on 105 Through the Fan.